Good evening. Good to be together tonight. Appreciate everybody being here for another opportunity to spend time in worship. Another opportunity to think about God's Word together as we continue to work our way throughout the book of Ephesians. Appreciate Taylor reading the first four verses of Ephesians 6. I was thinking he might be able to quote it by now. and He read it this morning, read it again tonight. That's going to be stuck in his head maybe for a little while. But if you have your Bibles, let's turn there. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at the first four verses. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It's, it's pretty neat to think that we began our study of Ephesians all the way back in August, just a couple of weeks after I started here at Seven Oaks, and now we're beginning the last chapter in Ephesians chapter 6, looking at verses 1 through 4. There were two kids sitting and having a conversation. They were bragging about how they had moved so frequently in the last little while. They were trying to one-up each other. One boy looked at the other boy and said, we've moved three times in the last three years, and we've lived in three different states. I bet you can't beat that. The other little boy said, I bet I can. In the last year, in the last 12 months, my parents have moved five different times. And it was sometimes really hard, and sometimes it took me a while but I found them every single time. They, they, they moved five times over the last 12 months, and I found them every single time. Parents, I don't know if sometimes you feel that way. Maybe we're going to move states and not tell the children about it. Tonight, in the first four verses of Ephesians 6, as we read just a few minutes ago, we're going to be talking about God's desire for parenting. If you had the opportunity to be with us last week, we spent some time in the last little section there in Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33, talking about God's desire for marriage. We thought about the question, is your marriage what God wants it to be? I hope that question was encouraging to us, regardless of where we find ourselves, whether we're married, whether we're looking to be married, whether we once were married, or maybe never married at all. I hope that this was a passage that helped us to think about marriage through God's eyes, to think about marriage from God's perspective. Is your marriage what God wants it to be? Are you the husband that God wants you to be? Are you the wife that God wants you to be? And really the question there is, does your marriage reflect the relationship that exists between Jesus and His church? Because that's what marriage is supposed to be all about. Tonight we're going to make a transition. We're going to transition from talking about the relationship that exists between a husband and a wife to talking about the relationship that exists between a parent and a child. Last week, we talked about God's desire for marriage. This week, we're going to talk about God's desire for parenting. Before we go any further, I want to give a disclaimer. I want to say, if I'm being honest with you, I feel really, really unqualified to talk about this subject, to talk about parenting, especially to a group like this, because I've never been a parent. I don't really know anything about what it means to raise a child, everything that's associated with that, all the feelings and struggles and commitment that's associated with that. I don't know what that's like. And so I feel really unqualified to stand before a group like this to talk about parenting, but there's three reasons that I'm going to. First, we've come to this text in the book of Ephesians. We started all the way back in Ephesians chapter 1 in August. Now we're in Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4. And I don't think it'd be a good thing for us. I don't think it'd be the appropriate choice to skip over this text. Maybe I should have asked Michael to present this one. I don't know if, if he would have been on board with that. 
Reason number two that I'm going to talk about parenting, even though I really don't feel comfortable doing it, is because even though I don't know anything about parenting, God does. I believe that God knows everything about what it means to be a parent, especially when you think about how He is depicted as our Heavenly Father so many different times through Scripture. And so it's not my goal tonight to share with you my philosophy about parenting or my opinions about parenting. If you get any whiff of that, throw it in the garbage can. It's not worth anything. My goal tonight is to talk about God's desire for parenting, to simply present what God has to say about that relationship in this section of Scripture. And then reason number three, when you go over to Acts the 20th chapter, I think Paul gives what the goal, what the mission of a preacher is supposed to be. If you're familiar with that section, Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders, and he tells them, I want you to remember that I did not shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God. That's the job of a preacher. That's the job of a minister, isn't it? To declare the whole counsel of God. And I think that parenting is a part of that. And so for those three reasons, even though I really don't feel comfortable doing it and I really feel unqualified, I think it's something that's good for us to think about. Not giving my views, not giving my opinions, not giving my perspective, but thinking, what does God say about this? Last week we asked the question, is your marriage what God wants it to be? This week, we're going to ask the question, is your parenting what God wants it to be? Is the relationship that exists between you and your child, or if your child between you and your parent, is it what God wants? Is it what God desires? In order to answer that question, there's a couple questions that we need to answer. And the first one that Paul asked in Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 3 is this one. Are you the child that God wants it to be? Whenever it comes to parenting, we're not to just talk about the parents. That's only one side of the relationship, even though it is a big part of the relationship that exists between a parent and child. We need to spend some time talking to the children. Are you the child that God wants you to be? Are you treating your parents in the way that God would want you to treat them? Notice in Ephesians 6 and verse 1, Paul addresses children. You go back to Ephesians 5 and verse 22, he addresses wives. Ephesians 5 and verse 25, he addresses husbands. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, he addresses children. A really big idea in this text in Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4 is what does Paul mean by that word? When he addresses children, who exactly is he talking to? Because when I hear the word children, I don't know about you, but I think about kids that are 12 or under. I think about kids that are pretty young. When you look at this Greek word children, the word that Paul uses here, it can refer to children who are really young. It can refer to children who are elementary age, or it can refer to children who are in their 20s. So this is a word that has a lot of flexibility. I think this text sets the bounds for the children that we're talking to. Let's make just a few observations here. First, Paul is talking to children who are old enough to be Christians who are old enough to be in Christ. When you look in Ephesians 6 and verse 1, we're going to talk about this more in just a minute. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, is what Paul is saying there. He is addressing children who are old enough to devote themselves to Jesus. So when we talk about children here, we're not talking about those who are 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 years old who aren't old enough to make that lifelong commitment to Jesus to be baptized into Christ. Here are children who are old enough to be followers of the Messiah. Number two, these children are present within the worship assembly. 
where this letter would have been read, where this letter would have been elaborated on, if children weren't present in the worship assembly, if these children weren't present when the church was gathered together, there'd be no reason for Paul to include this command. And so he's talking to children who would have not just been present in the worship assembly, but those who would have been attentive in the worship assembly when the church came together. Number three, these children, it seems, were still being brought up. They were still being raised by their parents, and they were still living at home. They hadn't reached that age in Ephesians chapter 5. We saw it last week in verse 31. They hadn't reached the place in life where a man shall leave his father and mother and be bound to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. It seems that these children haven't left father and mother yet to be bound to their wives. So these children are still being raised. They're still being brought up by their parents. And it seems in step with that, still living at home. These children in Ephesians 6 are old enough to understand this command. Paul wouldn't have given the command to a group of kids that wouldn't have been able to understand it. So again, we're not talking about two, three, four, five, six-year-olds. We're talking about children who would have been old enough to understand what's happening here. And then this is talking to children who are old enough to choose either to be disobedient or to be obedient to this command. They're old enough to say, here's what Paul's saying. I understand what he's talking about. Children, be obedient to your parents. They're old enough to say, I'm going to do that or I'm not going to do that. I think this is important to point out because I know whenever I read through this text when I was 16 or 17 years old, well, well, I just turned 16 years old. I'm not a child anymore. Paul's not talking about me. Well, it's important to note that if you fall into this category, these bullet points that we're talking about here, Paul is talking to you. He's wanting to ask you the question, are you the child that God wants you to be? Are you treating your parents in the way that God would want you to treat them? Well, what kind of child does God want you to be? How does God want you to treat your parents? Let's notice a few ideas. Ephesians 6 and verse 1, Paul says that children are to obey their parents in the Lord. Children, obey your parents. Parents. In other words, children, you are to do what your parents tell you to do. There's no second guessing. There's no back talking. There's no, I think this would be better. There's no bartering. There's no deception. And certainly there's no disobedience in this. When your parent tells you to do something, you do it. Children, obey your parents. Why? What's the reason that Paul gives that command that children can choose to obey or to disobey? Well, he gives a couple reasons. The first one we mentioned just a minute ago, he says, obey your parents in the Lord. I think that sometimes, if, if you were just reading this on the surface, you might think, okay, obey your parents in the Lord. What that means is that if my parent's not a Christian, then I don't have to obey them. If my parent's not in the Lord, then I don't have to do what they tell me to do. But if my parent is a Christian, then I have to obey them and I have to do what they tell me to do. I don't think that's what Paul is saying here. And maybe sometimes that's the way that we read it. I like the way the New Living Translation translates it. It's more of a paraphrase that brings out the meaning, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. In other words, you've made this lifelong commitment to Jesus. You've been purchased by His blood. You are in the Lord. You belong to Christ. And because you belong to Christ, you obey your parents. Whenever you obey your parents, you are obeying Jesus. And whenever you disobey your parents, you are disobeying 
Jesus. And so he says, first you obey your parents because you belong to Jesus. And you made that commitment to Jesus. And as a child who's made a commitment to Jesus, you're going to obey your parents. The second reason that Paul gives, he says at the end of verse 1, very straightforward, for this is right. It's the right thing to do for children to obey their parents. And we could also say in parallel to that, it's the wrong thing to do for children to be disobedient to their parents. This shows up a couple times in the New Testament. When Paul's describing the Gentile world in Romans 1, verses 29 through 32, he lists 22 different sins that were rampant in the world at that time. Notice he talks about towards... Uh, the beginning of verse 29, he talks about unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, some pretty, pretty heavy things here. Some pretty big sins. But then notice what he says at the end of verse 30, right in the middle of all of it, one of the sins that he lists is being disobedient to parents. Obeying your parents is the right thing to do. Disobeying your parents is the wrong thing to do to do. We find something similar in 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 through 5 where Paul's talking about sins that are going to appear in the last day. This time he lists 18 different sins. Notice what he says at the end of verse 2. Again, he's talking about some pretty big things. People who are treacherous and reckless and and brutal. People who don't have self-control and are slanderous. Right at the end of verse 2, those who are disobedient to their parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. When you do what your parents tell you to do, you are doing the right thing, of course, as long as that is in step with what God has delivered to us in Scripture. When you're disobedient to your parents, you're doing the wrong thing. And the second thing that Paul says to children is that they are to honor their parents. In chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, Paul quotes from the Old Testament. He quotes from the Ten Commandments. It's actually the fifth commandment from Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. He says, children, verse number 2, honor your father and mother. Whenever you honor someone, that means you're going to be respectful towards them. That means you're going to extend kindness to them. I think about children, and and honestly, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody because I was there at one time. I was there not that long ago. I think about how sometimes maybe teenagers treat their parents. It's anything but honor. Anything but respect. Anything but kindness. With the, the entire message, throughout the entirety of Scripture, children, you are to honor your parents. God has placed them in that position. They are your parents. You belong to Christ, so obey them and honor them. Respect them. Show kindness towards them. What's so neat about this command in verse number 2, when you transition into verse 3, is that it's the first command associated with a promise. In the Old Testament, it is the first command that has a promise connected to it. He says, honor your father and mother, and here's the reason, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. When your parents tell you to do something, they're not just saying it to waste their breath. When your parents tell you to do something, they're telling you to do that for your own well-being. So what happens whenever you obey them? What happens whenever you honor them? When they're telling you to do something for your own well-being, your well-being is going to be greater. And chances are, this doesn't happen all the time. This certainly isn't, isn't a blanket statement. But it, what generally happens is when you have a greater well-being, your life is going to be longer. And so there are benefits associated with what we're talking about here. A promise associated with obeying your parents and honoring your parents. Is your parenting what God wants it to be. We need to talk to children. Maybe sometimes we don't. 
Those who are old enough to devote themselves to Jesus who are still being raised, are you the child that God wants you to be? Are you obeying your parents because you belong to Jesus? Are you honoring your parents and reaping the benefits that come from that? Now let's switch to the other side of the conversation. Let's transition to the other side of this relationship. And this is where I get a little bit more uncomfortable. But let's stick to the text here in Ephesians 6. Is your parenting what God wants it to be? Well, another question we need to ask is, are you the parent that God wants you to be? Are you parenting in the way that God would have you to parent? When you look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, just like we address children in verse 1, we're addressing fathers in verse 4. Instead of using the generic word for parents, like he does in verse 1, children, obey your parents. He uses the word here in verse 4 to specifically talk about fathers. Let's talk about the male in that relationship. Those who are dads. Those who are fathers. But in that, I don't think that we're eliminating the mothers. It's like what we talked about last week in Ephesians 5. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And if there's a child involved, the way that we would say that is the father is the head of the mother. The father has the responsibility to take the lead. And so we're not saying that this is just something that fathers do in Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Mothers are certainly going to be involved in this and they're going to play a key role in this. What we're saying in Ephesians 6 and verse 4 is that the father and the mother forms a team that the father is to take the lead of. When it comes to raising children, whenever it comes to parenting, he says, fathers. I think the first thing that we need to ask when we ask this question, are you the parent that God wants you to be? We need to speak to fathers and make this point explicit. Fathers, it is your responsibility to step up. It is your responsibility to lead your children, just like we talked about last week. It's your responsibility to lead your wife. There's so many households where the raising of the children or anything that has to do with the children is put off on the mother, and the mother is the only one involved in bringing up the children, raising them to maturity. We're not saying that this has to be equal amounts of time. Maybe the mother spends more time with the children than the father does. But the father needs to take the lead. According to Scripture, what God wants in this relationship is fathers to step up and to lead their children to maturity. So what does that look like when a father is leading and the mother comes behind and, and they're going at this as a team to raise their child to maturity? He says, number two, do not provoke your children. Don't provoke your children to anger. Now this is not saying don't ever make your kids mad. Because sometimes your kids are going to get, I remember I would get mad at my parents whenever they would tell me no, whenever I wanted something and they told me that I couldn't have it or that I couldn't do it, I would get mad at them even if it was the best thing for me. This is not saying your kids are never going to get mad at you. This is saying you should not provoke them to anger. You shouldn't provoke them to be mad. Well, what does that mean? I like what Clinton Arnold says about this. He says this passage effectively rules out Reactionary flare-ups, overly harsh words, insults, sarcasm, nagging, demeaning comments, inappropriate teasing, unreasonable demands, and anything else that can be perceived as provocative. So parents, what you have to do is you have to read down that list and evaluate yourself. Are any of those a part of my parenting? 
What Paul says, he tells parents first what not to do. Do not provoke your children to anger. Don't make them mad. Don't be the source of their anger, provoking them towards that emotion. What Paul says a little bit later when you go over to Colossians is don't provoke them to anger so that they won't be discouraged. Don't discourage your children by what you say to them or how you treat them. He says don't do this. But instead, do this. Parents are not to provoke their children to anger. Instead of that, they are to raise up their children. Verse 4. Don't provoke your children to anger, verse 4, but bring them up. That same word that's translated bring them up in verse number 4 is the same word if you go back to Ephesians 5 and verse number 29. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it. That's the same Greek word. Bring them up in verse 4 and nourish your wife. He tells the husbands, just like Jesus nourishes the church, that's the same word that Paul uses to describe those two realities. Parents, it's your responsibility to raise up your children in a way that is nourishing, in a way that is cherishing, in a way that demonstrates love. But that's not where Paul leaves it. Paul doesn't leave this open-ended. He doesn't say raise up your children and use whatever philosophy you want to use, whatever book you think is the best, whatever, whatever way that you prefer, just use that. Raise your children in that way. No, he says parents, bring them up, raise them to maturity first in the discipline of the Lord. Philip Yancey tells a story, if maybe you've heard of Philip Yancey, he's a popular Christian writer and, and speaker. He told a story about how one time he was on an African safari and he looked off of his Jeep into the distance and saw a mother giraffe with a baby giraffe that had just been born. And as he watched, the, the baby giraffe was struggling to stand up. And every time it would finally get up on its legs, the mother giraffe would kick it down. And it'd fall on the ground, it, it'd struggle to get back up, finally get standing back up, and the mother giraffe would kick it down. And it did it again and again, and again, and again. Philip Yancey started to get concerned. Well, one time, as he continued to watch this for several minutes, the mother giraffe kicked down the baby giraffe, and it jumped back up and ran as fast as it could into the distance. He was kind of confused. Philip Yancey asked his guide, what just happened there? Why was that mother giraffe kicking her baby time and time and time again until it was able to run off in the direction? And the guide explained to him, he said, she has to do that. That's what giraffes do. Because the only line of defense that a giraffe has is to run off. And if he doesn't have that ability to run, then he's not going to make it very long. He's not going to survive very long. Discipline, Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, is not an easy thing. I know, from my end, as a child being Discipline is not fun, especially when it's with a belt. And I know as a parent, discipline is not fun. I, I've, I've always thought that my parents enjoyed discipline. I, mean, I, I don't think they did. As I've grown older, I've found to the fact that that's not the case. How do you raise up your children? Raise them up in discipline. Children are to be disciplined whenever they step out of line. Just like a mother giraffe was kicking that baby giraffe for its own betterment, that is what discipline is supposed to do. The discipline of the Lord. When your child steps outside of what God desires for them, it's your job to discipline them. It's your job to discipline them. And while it might not be comfortable in the moment, 
We know that it's ultimately going to work out for their betterment. So he says, first, bring them up, raise them up, bring them to maturity in the discipline of the Lord. And then he says, number two, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Parents, I want to be very clear on this message because I think it's something that Scripture is so clear on, but sometimes we miss it. It is your job to teach your child about Jesus. I love Michael Tidwell, don't you? Don't you love everything that he does for this congregation, what he does for the youth group? It's actually pretty amazing. But can I tell you, it's not Michael Tidwell's job to be the primary person who teaches your child about Jesus, even though he does a great job of it. He is not the primary person who should be instructing them about the Lord and what the Lord wants. He's not their primary youth minister. You are. It is your job to teach your kids about Jesus, who Jesus is, and what Jesus desires for their lives. I love how that's talked about in Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, where you find the Shema in verse number four. It's not up on the screen, but perhaps you know it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love, verse number 5, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Think about it. From that point, he says, the, here's God. He's one. We, we serve one God. We don't serve many gods. And you're going to love Him with everything that you have. And these words, the words of God that I'm commanding you today, they shall be on your heart. From that point, Moses could have went in so many different directions. But notice what he says next, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Whose responsibility is it to make sure that children know about the Lord, know about the Lord's law, know about the Lord's Word? He looks at parents and says, it's your job. It's your responsibility to teach your children diligently the words of God. He says, talk about it all the time. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Teach your children about Jesus. He says talk about it to them all the time. Talk about it to them whenever you're driving through the drive-thru. Whenever you're walking through the supermarket. Whenever you sit down to eat a meal together. Whenever you're putting them to bed at night, whenever you're waking them up in the morning, when you're sitting around the bread, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, use that as an opportunity to teach your kids about Jesus, to teach your kids about what Jesus desires for their lives. Is your parenting what God wants it to be? Are you the parent that God wants you to be? In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Paul lays down some principles. Fathers, are you leading your children? Are you taking the lead in how they're being raised and how they're being brought up? Are you provoking your children to anger? Are you being the source of their anger, provoking them to feel that emotion? Are you raising up your children in the discipline of the Lord and the instruction of the Lord? See, what I think we're, the question we're talking about tonight, I think, is one that's going to affect future generations for a long time to come. Is your parenting what God wants it to be? Well, in order to answer that, we've got to answer a couple other questions. We have to look at both sides of the relationship. Kids, are you the child that God wants you to be? Parents, are you the parent that God wants you to be? And I love how Paul talks about it in this text, the first four verses of Ephesians chapter 6. I want to offer you a similar challenge to what I offered last week. Take some time as a family to sit down with Ephesians 6 this week. 
Read through those first four verses together again and ask these questions. Talk about it. Discuss it with your wife, with your children. Let's be intentional about that. If, if parenting is going to be what God wants it to be, there needs to be open communication about what God wants and what God expects. But this isn't just for families who have kids. Maybe you don't have kids yet and you hope to one day. Sit down with this text and think about, is this what my household is going to look like? Is this the kind of parent that I'm going to be? Or if you're married, is this the kind of parents that we are going to be? Maybe you have had children and, and they're raised. You're no longer in the process of raising them. I want to challenge you to sit down with this text and to think about the fact, what can I teach about this? What can I teach my children about being parents? What can I teach my children's children about being parents? What can I teach those who are a part of my church family about parenting in the way that God wants, parenting in the way that God desires? We said it last week, I'll say it again. God wants your marriage to be in the right place. He does. God wants your parenting relationship to be in the right place. But even more than that, He wants your soul to be in the right place. So maybe it's the case that it's not. You don't find yourself in the Lord like Paul talks about belonging to Him. In Ephesians 6 and verse 1, we would love to help you with that if you'd give us the opportunity as we stand and sing the invitation song.